guess the first question that we might ask when we think about uh, the sin of sloth is, why is it one of the seven deadly sins? Or as we, uh, as, uh, or our preferred language, which you can go back to week one to find out why uh, on the internet, why is sloth a capital vice? It's easy, isn't it, to, to, to understand why uh, you know, envy, being envious of someone, trying to destroy them because they, they've got more things than, than you and you're kind of jealous about that. We can understand why that might be a deadly sin. Or, or lust, we can understand why that might be a deadly sin. Or wrath, yeah, I, I kind of get why that's a deadly sin. But, but why is sloth a deadly sin? I mean, surely it can't be that bad just to sit back and, like, relax. I mean, actually, couldn't we make the case that maybe slothfulness is the great antidote to Western busyness and that, that actually we should celebrate the sin of sloth. And not only that, we've named the cutest animal in the world after this sin and so surely it must be good. There must be something about slow, ridiculously cute bears uh, that uh, we can enjoy and we can uh, take uh, heart in. There's something to that, isn't there? But for some of you, you're thinking, no, 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 no. Uh, I know exactly why sloth is a problem, is a capital vice, is a deadly sin, because you're a very driven person. You like to see results. And uh, you, in fact, may find yourself going, no, 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 sloth is the problem. The problem is people don't work hard enough. People uh, are not uh, uh, doing all that they can to achieve with the potential that they have. How could you just not want to get more and more done? Of course, sloth is a big deal. Well... To understand whether we're from kind of e either one of those uh, kind of starting points, we first need to think about really what sloth is. Because when we think of sloth, we do tend to think, don't we, of, of laziness, of inactivity, of inertia, of, you know, too much time uh, on Netflix, uh, eating chips. This is kind of the slothful life. And uh, if we think about sloth just in purely secular terms, uh, uh, people think of this as the, the sin of failing to work hard to better yourself. So uh, Henry Ford, you may know of him, uh, the, the motor car guy, uh, he, and what really one of the pioneers of industrialization, he said of, of work, it is our sanity, our self-respect and our salvation. And so to not work is to forego sanity, self-respect and salvation. You'll be a drain on society. You won't be able to provide for yourself. You'll be useless. And in spiritual terms, we can tend to think of it as a failure for us to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And we know that the Bible calls us to, to be active. So we had our reading today from 2 Thessalonians 3... And we see there Paul encouraging people to activity. So from verse 11, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. 
Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. So don't be a busybody, but be busy and do good. But perhaps this sin of sloth is is, is not about our levels of activity. Perhaps there's more to it than simply working harder as a remedy for sloth. And if we do take a moment to just briefly think about the sins we've looked at so far, I, I, I think we're going to start to see uh, a, a, a something different. So you think back to week one when we talked about vain glory. That is the desire uh, for, the, for the praise of others. Or, if you like, it is the desire to be loved by the crowd at whatever uh, cost that comes. So it's a, a disordered love in that you, you want to be loved by others and you don't care what you have to do to get that love. Envy, we saw, was, was a lack of love for, com- for, for the community because, uh, and a lack of love for self because if you can't have it, then you don't want anyone to have it. And sloth, I want to argue, and hopefully I'll make the case today, uh, is actually less about uh, inactivity and more about failing to accept the cost of love or the cost of grace. Speaking of costly grace, you can't help but immediately quote Bonhoeffer, so let me uh, uh, read from uh, his book... Grace is costly because it compels a person to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you see that? He's saying it's grace because Jesus says, come to me, my yoke is easy, my burden. But it's costly in that when you do that, you have to actually submit to him. And so this idea of costly grace, costly love, actually gives us a bit of an insight into what this sin of slothfulness is all about. Originally, this capital vice was known by another word. Uh, We've sort of uh, moved to to the word sloth, but originally it was known as the sin of acedia. You have to forgive my pronunciation. But it's a Greek word which means a lack of care. And so you can see how that's kind of how we've got from there to sloth and laziness. Uh, But If we go back to that original word, a lack of care, uh, then we see actually how this is about a failure to understand the cost of love or the cost of grace. In fact, as scholars have examined uh, Christian thought over the last 1,500 years, they notice something interesting about this lack of care that uh, comes for the sloth or for the acidite person. Uh, one scholar called Piper, whose first name is not John, said, not only can acidia or sloth and ordinary diligence exist very well together, it is even true that the senselessly exaggerated workaholism of our ages is directly traceable to acidia, to sloth. He's saying, or she's saying, actually, when we get down to the heart of what this sin is all about... It's not just about failure to, to action. In fact, when we find ourselves overacting and doing too much work, this can also be part of the deeper heart issue. 
And that's because sloth is actually ultimately about an inner discontent and a resistance to our spiritual calling. So, as Christians, we know uh, that Christ has come into the world, he's died for our sins, rose again victorious, and now, uh, as we're invited into relationship with him, we're saved by grace and we're called to service in response to that. And this sin is about... uh, uh, being discontent and resistant to, to that part of the Christian life. But it's not just the service part, it's actually just to, the, to the, the ongoing work that the Christian has to do to grow. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. So if the sloth or the, the, the person suffering with this sin uh, is, is suffering with a lack of care for the spiritual life, what does this actually look like? Well, I want to take an example from marriage. Marriage is, uh, according to the Bible, a great uh, picture of the relationship that the church and the Christian uh, has with God. Uh, And uh, Kathleen Norris says that married love is eternal. Well, that is, it's till death do us part. But it is also daily about as daily and unromantic as housekeeping. The point, when you're married, you've got to do not just loads of fun stuff uh, to show that that you love your wife or your husband, but you've also got to do lots of boring stuff that's not fun or glamorous, but that is loving. And this... Okay, so you get that, if you're married, it's not all roses and chocolates and movies, it's also like doing the dishes and washing the clothes and changing the diapers and all those sorts of things. Got to do both if you're a loving spouse. The person who is slothful resists the effort of doing day after day after day whatever it takes to keep the bonds of love strong and living and healthy, whether she feels particularly inspired about doing it or not. So this is what it's about, right? It's about uh, resisting the everyday nature of the Christian life. And the Bible talks about this, right? The Bible says that uh, as Christians, we know that we've been made alive in Christ, so Galatians 2, 19 and 20, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live new lives in Christ empowered by his spirit. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ and though we have the gift of God's spirit, living in us and empowering uh, uh, us, we still know that the reality is we have a daily struggle with sin, don't we? Because, as you'll remember if you were here for our series on Luke, it came up a few times, we live in the in-between times, in the now but not yet. We live in the new age of the reign and rule of Christ and yet uh, we also still experience the effects of sin until Christ comes 
and uh, brings all things to their final fulfilment. And so because of the now and not yet, as Christians, we can never say, well, I'm saved, I don't need to worry about anything, I don't need to do anything, I'm saved, I can do whatever I want now. The Scriptures constantly call us to a life of working out our salvation. So, let me take the letter of Philippians for, for, for an example. Paul there uh, addresses the people. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, right? So, as he starts the letter, who are you? You're God's holy people. You've been saved. God's done this work in you. But then in the next chapter, he encourages them to get to work because of that, right? So Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, you're God's holy people, loved by God, saved by God through Christ... And because of that, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to be active participants in the work God is doing in your life. The, the Apostle Peter, likewise, calls the Christian to hard work at growing in our Christ-likeness, beginning with the knowledge that God is our provider. So, let me read from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. His divine power, Peter says, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. We have everything we need for a godly life through the divine power of God. Verse 3. And because of that, make every effort, verse 5, to grow in your faith, your goodness, knowledge, etc., etc., Again, I want to use uh, marriage as, as an example for us. Uh, when you get married, uh, you make some vows, right? And once you've made the vows, you're, you're married. That's it. It's done. It's costly and takes effort to undo those vows because they're a powerful thing. But being married involves living out those vows putting in daily efforts. And so it is with us as Christians. Uh, God has done the work, he, he has called us, He has saved us, and now we are called to putting in the work, to making every effort. You receive the gracious gift, His divine power, and then you live it out consciously. And as I'm saying this, and as we're talking about sloth, let me be very clear we must not confuse effort with earning. 
must not confuse effort with anything. So when I say a Christian needs to work out their salvation and needs to, to, do, to, to, to make every effort, needs to be actively involved under the power of the Spirit with God's uh, help, we can accidentally think that what I'm saying is you need to earn your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the Bible calls us in light of what God has done in saving us, to, to put in effort and actively work on our faith. Not to earn our salvation, not even to keep our salvation, but to grow in Christ-likeness and godliness and all the good things that God has for us. In Galatians 5, verse 17, Paul uh, t- tells us of the battle between flesh and spirit. He says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And I want to say that the sin of slothfulness, the sin of acedia, this is when we fail to take up that battle. When we fail to acknowledge that we are living uh, in the now but not yet, and there is conflict between the old sinful self and the new enlivened self by the Spirit. The Scriptures describe living out the Christian life as something that requires effort. Effort that is empowered by God, effort which does not earn us merit, but nonetheless, effort. And sloth, rightly understood, is a failure to or a desire not to do the daily work of growing as a Christian. De Young says, when we make sloth a habit, we turn our backs on the joy we should have over being united with God and committed to Him in love. Instead of rejoicing at God's presence in us, we chafe at it and resent the claims that God's love makes on us. Rather than being willing to dedicate ourselves to developing and deepening the relationship, we resist its demands. And we see there why it's so serious, why it's a capital vice, don't we? Because when our hearts are shaped by slothfulness, we resist our identity in Christ and His Spirit's presence in us, we resist it. And so perhaps it is the most serious of all. to not be constantly responding to what God has done for us and through us and in us. So what does it look like in practice? Sloth is about that resistance to effort of putting in uh, the disciplined work of putting on the new self and putting off the old self, uh, doing that which we are called to do in Christ and what God has given us His Spirit to empower us to do. And so it can manifest in two ways, can't it? It can be laziness, not bothering to sort out some sin, just letting it fester away there. Or it can be busyness, distracting yourself from some, some sin by getting on with other good things. Either way, it's a desire not to stop and do the hard work of dealing with our hearts and sorting out our sin. This sin describes anything we do to avoid changing ourselves, stretching ourselves or giving ourselves to others generously. The slothful person or the slothful heart, I should say, 
likes the comforting thought of being saved by love, of being God's own, and yet at the same time balks at the prospect of change, the, slow, the often slow process of putting to death the old self, which feels too much like suffering, and the disciplined commitment it takes to, res- to sustain the relationship of love in Christ over a lifetime. Again, uh, let me use marriage again as, as, as the analogy. The slothful person wants the Christian life to be perpetual honeymoon. Where life is easy and fresh and fun. They don't want to do the work to enjoy that 50, 60 years of faithful married partnership which looks nothing like the honeymoon, but is so much richer and deeper. So, how do we overcome this desire that we can have sometimes not to do the hard work? Well, I want to say, suggest the first thing is to rest. Seems weird. Cure to slothfulness is rest. But... True rest is vital to overcome sloth. Rather than uh, distracting ourselves, either through busyness of work or through wasting our lives away on the couch, instead, God calls us to rest in Him. Jesus says, and I quoted Bonhoeffer quoting Jesus before, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the Psalms too call us to, to wait on the Lord. We're called as Christians to to find our rest in God and to allow God in that place to expose our hearts, to reveal our failings and to show us the way forward. Rest in God is also vital because it makes sure that when we do put in effort to do the hard work of working out our faith with fear and trembling, of, 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 of getting on with seeing how God is trying to sanctify us. We do it from a place of rest, that is knowing that God's grace comes first and that we are his loved children in Christ and that we are not going to step out into some sort of game of merit. Rather, we will go into God-empowered efforts. So we need to rest in God. And perhaps less surprising, the other thing I think we can do is be disciplined. De Young says, love flourishes in the context of daily deeds and constancy in our commitments, where sloth arises in the context of conveniently easy escape. And so... If we want to uh, grow in our love, if we want to grow in our godliness, then we need to be disciplined. And Christians have developed practices 
over the last 2,000 years that help us to do the hard work of dying to self and putting on the new life in Christ. Worship, gathering with other Christians to be encouraged by God and to hear his word read and preached. Prayer, talking to God, asking for his help, bringing to him the needs of others. Time in the scriptures, allowing God to speak with power in your life. Community, asking for help and helping others as they seek to do the work of growth. Now, all of these things can seem a bit boring. Perhaps you didn't, you, I, I mean, I know I did this, but maybe you didn't. You didn't wake up this morning thinking, it's church, I can't wait to get there. Yeah, maybe you went to bed a bit late last night, you had some uh, friends and, you know, you were wishing the service was back at 10.30 like it used to be, so you had a bit more time to sleep. Like, you know, the, you, you perhaps didn't uh, kind of run here like it was the greatest concert you could ever come to and you were really, really excited. Maybe you did. Uh, maybe when you, you, you think, I should sit down and pray... You know, you get distracted. You, 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 you're doing it because you know you should rather than necessarily because um, you're excited about it. Th- these practices are, are very unexciting, but, you know, they're like the daily unglamorous tasks of love. I can tell you that I have never once put the bins out with joy and excitement in my heart. But I do it because it is loving and it it builds a relationship of love in our marriage. The daily unglamorous tasks, when put together over a lifetime, lead to a beautiful picture of love and transformation. It may be that coming to church or sitting down to pray is not the most exciting thing you'll do all day, all week, all month, all year. And yet, the disciplined effort of a lifetime of doing those things is going to lead to a beautiful picture of love and transformation. And it's wonderful when we see it, isn't it? When we see the people, and the people here in our church today, who've been doing it for 60, 70, 80, 90 years and who love God and have been transformed by the power of a disciplined life, empowered by the Spirit. So rest in God and be disciplined. Don't give up on growing as a Christian. Don't get too distracted by all the good work you could be doing that you forget to work on your heart. Instead, make time for the hard work of stopping, of reflecting, of being disciplined and ask God to continue to show you those areas where you need to put in some effort with his help and put to death your old self and put on Christ. And that, my friends, is how we will defeat the sin of slothfulness.